I'm Austin. I'm Mike. We are the test drivers. And we put tech through its paces. Today, we're starting the show with a bang, bringing you everything you need to know about the brand new Samsung Galaxy S20. This is a great way to start the show, right? It was just a little launch. I think a couple people have heard of this little company called Samsung. They, they, they might have a future. There is so much more to get to about this range of phones than I was expecting. Well, originally, the rumors pegged this at five phones. But luckily, Mike, there's only three phones to talk about, plus a folding phone, which we will not talk about today. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the rumors were spreading out some of the features, right? That like 5G would be a different thing, but 5G is yes. in all of them. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff to get to. I've broken it down to some categories, Austin, and we're, I'm okay. going to grow you on everything you know. And between us, we're going to get this information out to the test drivers listeners. All right, let's do it. So how many S20s are there? There are three Galaxy S20s right now. So there is the standard Galaxy S20, which is very much a evolution of the S10 from last year, 6.2-inch display. Then there is the S20 Plus, again, just a straight evolution from last year with a bigger 6.7-inch screen. And then to top off the range, there's the Samsung Galaxy S20 Ultra with a 6.9-inch screen. Wow. I mean, this... Okay, so I've seen your video, as everybody should have by now. Surely everyone's seen your great video on these phones. <laughs> that is a very big, very thick phone. Like, this is, thing is no joke. The S20 Ultra is bananas. So the thing with the Ultra is, this is a new thing for Samsung. So previously, you know, they had the standard phone, they had the Plus, and then generally if you wanted the really high-end option, you waited a few months for the Note to come out. Yep. However, this time, the Ultra kind of seems to supersede the Note in a lot of ways. It does not have a stylus, but in pretty much every other way, it is completely ridiculous. It almost feels like, we're going to get into the features, right? But this thing, like it's just a big flex. Like, look at everything <laughs> we can do. It is. Well, so that's the thing. I know, like you said, we're going to get into a ton of the features, but the general idea with the Ultra is, is that they are packing absolutely every major huge spec that they can, and they're charging you for that, as I'm sure uh, people will be really excited to hear. But essentially, the thing with the Ultra is, and the very first thing that jumped out to me is the size. Not only does it have that huge display, but it's a thick boy, like a really thick boy. I know that looking at the spec, it's only like a millimeter thicker than the standard S20, but that doesn't keep into account that the fact that the camera bump is even thicker than that. Mm. It is so heavy. And a lot of the weight, it's kind of hard to sort of get this across on video, but a lot of the weight is toward the top of the phone. So it kind of feels a little unbalanced. Huh, because of the camera unit? Yes, because it right. has a ton of cameras. One of the cameras is very heavy, the the 10 times telephoto zoom, but it's a phone for a very specific person, and that person has big hands and, well, big pockets. So, like, the camera unit protrudes significantly as well. Like, it is yes. large in footprint, but also protrudes a lot. I would assume yeah. that this is a phone you pretty much have to use it with a case. But that's the problem, is that it's already a thick phone. It's already a heavy phone. You put a case on this oh, thing? Oh, yeah. Good luck fitting wow. it anywhere. Hmm. All right. That's really interesting. All right. Let's, let, we're going to come back to what's making that so thick. But let's talk about the screens themselves. I'm going to talk about the cutouts. Has anything changed here? What's going on on the front of these things? So they have still stuck with a cutout as opposed to any kind of motorized camera like OnePlus does, which personally I'm totally fine with. Yeah, the Infinity O display, if I'm correct, <laughs> yeah. right? Yes. 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 For their wonderful Samsung branding. So the main difference between last year is that with the S10, the camera cutouts were on the top right. Mm -hmm. um, however, with the Note, they put it in the middle and it's the same on the S20. They claim that the cutout's a little smaller and I think it is a bit, but realistically, I mean, it's really, really subtle. But I do think that it kind of makes the phone look a little bit uh, sort of nicer just because again like every year the bezels have gotten just that little tiny bit smaller and yep. the cutout has gotten a little bit smaller as well but realistically looking at the front especially if you put it next to a note or something you really can't see a difference so i would assume right we've got a little bit of a chin very small nothing on the sides and i actually th i think i prefer the camera cutout in the center to on the edges yeah. i just like the symmetry I totally agree. And the thing was, last year, the S10 Plus had a dual camera, which meant that it was like actually a properly sized little kind of Infinity O cutout. I much prefer the single camera, and I like it in the middle. Have they gone back on features going to single camera from dual camera? Technically, but not really. That second camera wasn't particularly useful on the S10 okay. Plus last year. 
I don't think they're really losing anything. And in fact, when we get to the Ultra, it actually has a significantly better front-facing camera oh. than any of the Samsung phones in the past. So I think they're actually probably doing more there versus less of last year. Talking about the screens, all right, this is the thing I was most excited about, which is the refresh rate. This is what I was hoping to see in this phone, that Samsung were really going to go big. And on paper, they went big, 120 hertz, right? That is pretty significant for refresh rate are there any other phones on the market that go to 120 hertz right now yeah but they're all gaming phones ah yeah razor was the first one they actually did this a couple years ago with the very first razor phone it ran 120 hertz however the problem was is that even though it was a really high refresh rate display it was kind of dim it was it was very much kind of like a very early version of the technology Last year, they did improve it, or actually, it was the year before at this point, damn, with the Razer Phone 2 as well as the ROG Phone 2, both of which had that full 120 hertz display. But again, these are very specialty phones. They're very gamery phones. This is really the first time we've seen a consumer phone hit 120 frames per second. Now, mind you, it's not the first time that we've seen something close to that, as both the Pixel 4 as well as the OnePluses of last year all had 90 hertz displays. But it's not as good as we would have wanted it to be though right they they haven't done what i hoped would be the bold thing which was to kind of do like what apple does with the promotion display which is mm-hmm. it's adaptive right so when you need 60 hertz you see 60 hertz when you need 90 you get 90 120 you get 120 it's just a binary switch right you either run at 60 or at 120 so it's a bit of a mess so essentially when you buy the phone Right out of the box, it is running at full HD resolution, which, to be fair, all three of these phones actually are QHD screens. So they're running at a lower resolution, and they're running them at 60 frames per second. Ooh, can you go over that one again for me? (laughs) So they're QHD screens, which is 1440p, right? Yep. But they run them at, what, 1080p? 1080p, or slightly more because of the aspect ratio, but essentially, it's 1080p equivalent. So this is not something new. So previous phones from Samsung, they've also done this, right? So right out of the box, they'll run it at a 1080p resolution, pretty much purely just for battery life. Obviously, pushing fewer pixels makes it easier. But the thing is, these phones are running like that out of the box. However, the problem is is that they have that 120 hertz display. So you actually have to tell your user at the store or whatever, by the way, you want it to look really smooth? Go into the options, dig in, and then turn on 120 as opposed to doing that in reverse slightly weird choice, but I think the main reason for that is that you actually can't have your cake and eat it too. So the problem is, is that you have to make a choice between resolution and frame rate. You can't have the full resolution and the full 120 hertz. You either have to pick 1080p at 120 hertz or QHD 1440p at 60 hertz. Okay, so the... Hmm, okay, this is confusing me now. It is. So the phone... When it's at 60 hertz, what resolution do I have? Any. So you can go, I think actually it goes all the way down to like 720. But realistically, you've got 1080p and 1440p at 60 okay. hertz, okay. which is exactly what you had last year. But if you want to go up to that higher refresh rate, 120 hertz, which again, twice as smooth in theory, you have to stick down to the 1080p resolution, which is below what the actual panel will do. It is uh. fine. But okay, so here's the thing that really kind of bothered me. The standard S20 has a 6.2-inch screen. I think a 1080p resolution on that, perfectly fine. I really can't see a huge difference. If you look really close, you can kind of notice it. However, when you go up to the S20+, Plus, and especially the S20 Ultra with that 6.9-inch screen, 1080p just doesn't look very good. I could notice it really clearly, the fact that everything looks a little bit softer. And because they're running 1080p on a 1440p display, it's also just not 100% one-to-one as far as the pixels. So like the scaling's a little bit odd, but just on such a huge screen, while I love the smoothness, I actually could tell some serious downsides in the actual sort of visual component of the phone. And that's not something I really want to do when I'm spending that much money on what is supposedly the ultra version of the phone. Right. So when you get the S20 Plus and the S20 Ultra, when you start them up from fresh, they are running at 1080p, right? 1080p at 60 frames per second. And so that's just how it is, right? But you can, at 60 frames per second, at 60 hertz, you can bump up the resolution to 1440p if you want to, right? Yes. Okay. I will give a small caveat. The phone that I got to play with was a sort of review sample. It was sort of at the the pre-briefing. I'm not exactly sure what the settings are right out of the box. They may have things slightly tweaked. However, most of the phones I picked up were defaulted to 1080p 60, which I believe I don't have 
full confirmation of this. It's probably how they're running. Exactly. Only yeah. a couple people had actually manually switched them over to 120 hertz, and very few of them were running at QHD. So I'm not 100% sure exactly what that will mm-hmm. be on the Ultra when you pull it out of the box, but pretty much all the phones there at the actual Samsung launch were not running at that full resolution and that full frame rate. But the the point that I was that I'm making, like I'm thinking about here, is like you can run it at 1080p or 1440p on 60, but you are locked to 1080 if you want to do 120. Yes. So you can't mm. have your cake and eat it too. You either choose that super smooth 120 frames per second at a lower resolution, or you give up that sort of frame rate, but you get the sharper text and the sharper looking screen. Mm. That's actually a legitimately kind of tough decision on the, specifically, I think the Ultra. I think the S20 Plus, you can notice it, but especially on that huge screen on the Ultra, you can see a real difference, or at least I could. And I usually don't really care. I'm usually fine with 1080p on most phones, mm. but that screen was so big. I was like, oh, ooh, that's, uh, that's kind of noticeable. I think I, think I kind of hate that there's so many choices there yeah i feel because it's confusing right where like you can do this or this but you can't do this but if you do this you might like it's too much right and i feel like i mean i'm sure it's super difficult to do but i feel like samsung have kind of dropped the ball on this one what i would prefer is 90 hertz as an option so after spending a lot of time last year with the oneplus phones 90 hertz is perfectly fine right i mean yes if you look closely, I could tell that the 120 is incredibly smooth, right? Like, I will give them full credit. It is a really, really smooth experience. But the thing is, going from 60 to 90 is a big deal. Do you think they could have done 90 at 1440? I don't know. Okay. I'm not sure. So the problem is, I don't know why they're not doing it. I don't know if it's a battery life thing. I don't know if it's an SOC thing. I don't know if it's a screen thing. I'm not sure where the bottleneck is. But the thing is, 90 hertz to me, at least sort of on paper doesn't seem like this sort of like massive jump but in reality it's actually much much smoother than a standard 60 hertz display right i mean that's like a it's a big difference going up to 120 is a little bit smoother but there's definitely the law of diminishing returns as you sort of get up to that upper sort of echelon of frame rate i would love some kind of middle ground if they could have done 1440 at 90 hertz which to be fair the OnePlus 7 did last year. So if Samsung's trying to say they couldn't do that, I would be pretty surprised about that, especially because I think Samsung even maybe made the screen on the OnePlus. I was going to say, I'm assuming Samsung probably made that. Dis- like, there's only Samsung, like, oh, gee, really, that are making these displays because this Razer phone does it as well, right? That can also do 120 at 1440. I think the Razer phone was using an Exo panel. I think that's okay. it's not an OLED. So that was, I think, one of the only exceptions. Right, of course. Of course, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> mm. it's all so confusing. But yeah, that's the problem. And then to top all of this off, while this is a really small nitpick, the fact that inside Android you have to manually switch between resolutions and frame rates and everything, it gets a little weird sometimes, especially because, so this is a weird thing. So the good thing I guess I'll give Samsung is that on top of the 120 hertz display, you also have a 240 hertz touch sensor. So similar to on the iPhone that it's a 60 hertz display that runs at 120 hertz on the touch side of things, the Galaxy will run at 240, which should, in theory, give you much more responsiveness. However, and I didn't really get details on this, so it makes me kind of question it. They said that it only kicks on to 240 hertz in like some games. They really weren't clear on exactly why that's not the case all the time. Mm. And a lot of this just really makes me think, is it because they're trying to save battery? Is there some optimization? I'm not quite understanding why they introduce all these features, but it's not quite to the level that you would expect it to be. I'm not sure if I know what the benefits of a 240 hertz touch sensor would be if you're not using an Apple Pencil or an S Pen or something. Yes, exactly. I'm not sure I know why you would need 240 hertz touch sensor when gaming if I'm gaming at 60? Yes, so they do have some games that will support higher frame rates. So I know they specifically called out there's a new Forza game, which will be supposedly running at that full 120 frames per second at some point. So I can get for a game like that, you know, you want as much sort of responsiveness as possible. Sure. But realistically... Are you going to tell the difference? I'm not so sure, especially with your meaty fat fingers. It's not. But can the game run at 120 if you've locked the phone to 60? No. There's no way. Unless the game automatically switches the resolution, which I would find very strange. I think you would manually have to do that yourself. Samsung, why are you going to be this way? It's like such an exciting new feature. We just wanted a high refresh rate from you. Like. And we wanted it to be great, right? Like that, I was. This was one of the things that I was genuinely super excited about because 
as a iPhone user, right? Like I've been locked to 60 for so long, but I my iPad Pro I've had at 120 for a long time, right? And I love it, and I was really excited about the possibility of like, oh, there's like a Samsung phone, it's got 120, because I've been really like eyeing the OnePluses as well. We're going to talk about this later on. And I was really hoping that Samsung were going to deliver like an incredible OLED display at 1440p with like 90 hertz. That's what I was hoping for. And yeah. it's like, like, give me 120, but at like 1080p or less, it's like, oh, so why? This all sounds like a lot of complaining. And realistically, it's nice that they did this. And mm-hmm. if you're using the S20, I actually think 1080p, you can run it at that all day long. You'll, you'll be, be completely great. fine. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't even second guess that. It's just when you get to these phones with such huge screens, 1080p starts to not hold up all that well. I will be really intrigued to see how this actually looks, though, like the 120, especially on the S20. Like, I'm excited to see how it looks. It's incredibly smooth. This is, I, th- I think for me, like, pretty much the only knock on this phone. It's like the only thing I'm a little bit disappointed about is the fact that the 120 just wasn't cracked up to what exactly what I wanted it to be, you know? Yeah, and that was something that in the briefing, I was actually kind of surprised because they didn't go through any of this so they're just like oh yeah spec 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 i was playing with the phone i was almost done with the briefing but when i was switching resolutions i realized like wait a minute i had a little like warning message going oh you can't do this frame rate at this resolution i was like ken get over here we have to shoot this what are they talking about yeah they're probably not going to talk about it very much right like no. I, I can't imagine they're gonna even have a lot of marketing around the 120 because they clearly yeah. don't want people to use it that way yeah Let's talk about the cameras. Like, this is where I am, like, my (laughs) mind is absolutely blown at what Samsung has done here. So can you break down from a high level, high level, get into the the details, right? High level, what's in the S20, what's in the Plus, what's in the Ultra? So there are so many different cameras that are different on each model. It is ridiculous okay so let me do my best to kind of break it down let's do high level you don't need to worry about (laughs) f-stop let's just do like super high level to start and then we can dig in further okay got it so let's actually start with the s20 great so with the s20 you have three cameras you have a wide angle camera which is a 12 megapixel shooter and wide angle sorry i'm dumping in already wide angle is what people think is standard that is your regular camera right cool i just wanted to just state that because i get that one confused all the time so we've got the 12 megapixel wide angle, the 12 megapixel ultra wide, and then we have a 64 megapixel telephoto camera. Okay. Right. So the thing about all of these cameras, or specifically actually, sorry, on the wide, which is interesting, I believe the telephoto, I don't have the exact spec on that, is that these are larger sensors. So even mm-hmm. though they might only be 12 megapixels, they're actually, I think, somewhere in the neighborhood of 1.6 times bigger than what you had on the S10. And the S10 of last year actually already had a pretty big sensor. So we're getting here better low light, generally speaking, more dynamic range, especially considering that each one of those 12 megapixels are a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. It's actually pretty cool, right? So that's the standard S20 wide telephoto everything oh and i should mention the telephoto now is three times optical zoom as opposed to two times of last year which i think is much more useful realistically yeah and two times is the pretty much the standard right for a telephoto across the industry so going to three is awesome yeah no that's a huge huge step up right so that's the s20 when you go up to the s20 plus you have all the same cameras but you do add a time of flight camera now, this is one of those things that sometimes is considered a fourth camera. You can't take photos on it. It is more so for things such as helping with portrait mode. It's a sensor. Yes. It's not a camera. Right? It's a sensor, right? Like that's it's on the camera array and like technically it's a camera, but it's like for for what you can do with it as a user, it's a sensor. It enables other stuff, right? but you can't take photos with it. Exactly. Portrait mode might be a little bit more accurate. The mm-hmm. autofocus might be a little bit quicker. They're good for AR too, right? Time of flight cameras. Yes. Yes, absolutely. There's like legitimate like uses for this, but until I actually spend some more time with it, I would mostly consider the S20 and the S20 Plus to have pretty much the same cameras. And as well as cool. for the front-facing camera, you're going to have the same 10 megapixel on both, right? So it's the little tiny guy up front, all very straightforward. So between S20, S20 Plus... Pretty much the same as far as the cameras go. And then they threw all that out for the S20 Ultra. Okay. All right. Are you ready for this? I'm ready, man. I'm so ready. The standard wide-angle camera has 108 megapixels. But 108 megapixels. 
So when they throw that ultra badge on it, there are some reasons for that. Yes. But you're not getting 108 megapixel images, right or wrong? Depends. So I do not know if there's... <laughs> Again, I had very limited time with this thing, so I okay. need to spend a little bit more time with it. I do not know if there is a mode that you can get straight 108 megapixels out of it. I will okay. find out soon. Okay. But what I do know is that they're taking advantage of a feature called Nona binning or remosaicing, which essentially means that every nine pixels get merged into one. Essentially, what that means is that your 108 megapixel sensor ends up still taking 12 megapixel stills. Okay. Now, that being said, you're still getting all that extra detail in those 12 megapixels. And again, we'll have to wait and see if there's any kind of mode that will unlock the full 108 megapixels. But regardless, this camera should be phenomenal. And another reason for that is it has an even bigger sensor. So it has a specifically, I'll pull up the exact list. It is the 1 over 1.33 inch sensor. Now, that might not mean anything to you unless you're a camera nerd, but that is a absolutely massive camera. I think they quoted somewhere like almost three times bigger than last year. And when we say big camera, I mean, we have already spoke about the camera bump. What we're talking about is like the sensor inside, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. So all of the same things I was talking about with the S20 and the S20 Plus, having that bigger sensor and you know helps with low light and everything, that all goes for this, although because you have so many megapixels, it's a little bit of a trade-off. But regardless, what you're getting here is a sensor which is huge. And that means that, like, say you're taking a photo of someone, you might not necessarily need portrait mode. You're actually going to have a little bit more of a shallow wow. depth of field naturally. Now, I'll keep your expectations in check. It's still, you know, a fairly wide-angle lens. But still, this sensor seems incredible and that's only one can you compare that this size i think i heard you mention in your video it's kind of like a compact camera like that's how big they are bigger. the one inch oh it's bigger so most compact cameras today like we're talking like an actual real like camera camera digital camera not in a phone like a yeah so do you know the sony rx100 i do yes it's a fairly expensive fairly high-end compact camera that has a one inch sensor and that's considered quite large for a compact camera this has almost the same size sensor it's actually not quite so even though it's one point Point three three inches or whatever that actually still means it's like what i don't even know the the map there it's like it's still a bit smaller but this is way closer to like a full compact camera than a small phone camera the sensor is significantly bigger now you got to use this camera right <laughs> well i did however in the wonderful wonderful words of pr it was pre-release software okay. that I could not fairly judge. So take with that what you will. But from what you saw, were you impressed? It looked very promising. Okay. But looking at photos on a phone screen at a demo area wasn't enough to give me much of a, a feeling for it. It looked perfectly fine. Phone screens are the way we look at photos. So if this photo looked good on a phone screen, then like, and especially a seven-inch <laughs> phone screen, basically, like that's a good judge of it it looked good the thing is i only had literally like three minutes to take a couple of stills we had very yep. limited time to do our entire video and to do everything with it so i don't want to judge it yet everything i heard everything i saw everything that i am aware of with this should put it absolutely the very upper echelon of any kind of phone camera out there yeah but until i spend more time with it it's Okay, but I, it's I, worth I don't know noting yet. though, like Samsung turn out good cameras year after year. So they in theory, do. there is no reason to believe that with better hardware, they could not produce much better images. I would be shocked if this is not at the very least as good, if not more detailed than last year. And realistically, it's likely going to be a probably a step up in many ways. In fact, they're yep. talking about with their night sight mode or their night photo, nightscape. I feel like these all companies, they all have their own names for it but whatever their night mode for example it will take like twice as many stills and with the bigger sensor should be better low light etc etc so i would expect it to be better than last year whether or not it is better than something like the pixel or the iphone 11 remains to be seen but i think it has a very good shot of at least being competitive oh man but like i i, I have more hope in them than this like i just figure with this kind of hardware they should be number one but okay but the thing is it's a big sensor uh -huh. and yes it's a lot of megapixels but that's not everything. I'm glad that they're throwing hardware at the solution. But, I mean, realistically, hardware will get them 20% better. Most of it still is in their processing and in everything. I like Samsung's processing. Yes, and many people do, right? So I don't want to judge it too much because, again, I just didn't spend enough time with it. I'll know a lot more in the coming weeks as I actually get yeah. a phone to really properly test. Because like, anyone that follows my Instagram knows I love a overly saturated photo, right? Like, there it's you go. just my style. So that's like, I've always liked their stuff, like Samsung's images, because they tend to be very bright and colorful. 
So like, yeah. I'm excited about that. But Mike, I've only gotten to one of the four cameras on this S20 Ultra. I know. The, the next one is the one I'm most excited about anyway. Okay. So actually, I'm going to quickly go over the ultra wide. It is okay. the only camera which is the same. Same 12 megapixels, same, you know, ultra wide field of view. Mm-hmm. That's all the same across the S20s. Cool. And it also has the little time of flight VGA camera. Blah, blah, blah. Who cares? Sensors. Whatever. The really exciting part of the S20 Ultra is what they call the space zoom. Okay. Is that epic enough that I have the voice for that? I feel like I was trying to make the, the cool voiceover effect, but I couldn't quite pull it off. Okay. I mean, so- if you say it again, I can do it for you. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. The space zoom. There we go. Now everyone can judge my editing abilities. <laughs> so the space zoom is a 10 times optical lens behind a very weird array. So typically speaking, when it comes to a telephoto camera and sensor on pretty much any other phone, you're looking at just a standard looking lens, right? So it's mm-hmm. you know, the sensors there. You've got all your glass in front of it. Usually when it goes to going to like a telephoto camera, you actually have to give up some things like the sensors are smaller. The optics kind of have to be a little bit more squished because you only have so much sort of thickness for the phone, right? It just makes sense because as you go more and more telephoto, you just need more space between the lenses and the sensor. Well, Samsung got around that by flipping the sensor the other way. So this is going to be hard to describe in a podcast. But essentially, as opposed to the sensor being like directly in front of the lens, there is a little prism. And it actually is over like, I don't know exactly how far, but a few millimeters to the right. So essentially, it's almost like a periscope effect. And the Mm -hmm. the light comes in, bounces sideways because the sensor is mounted sideways. And that is how they have the space, the Z height, to give you that 10 times optical zoom. Now, Huawei did this, right? But they got five times, I think? Oh, that's a good question. Actually, you know what? I should, I should really fact check that. Because I know Oppo also has a 10 times zoom camera that they brought out last year. So the P20 Pro had a five times optical zoom, and they were using a uh, prism type thing, a periscope lens, right? That's how yes. they did it on the P20. And it's the Oppo Reno, I believe it was last year, also has a similar idea of it has the 10 times optical zoom. But this is the first time, at least here in the United States, that we've really seen a mainstream phone adopt this. Yep. But that's not all, because that doesn't get you space zoom. Oh, no, no. If you take a look at the back, it has a little badge that says 100x space zoom. Okay. And that is because... Okay. <laughs> Look, I'm going to keep doing it, okay? If they give me a cool name like that, I'm going to do that every time. I will say Space Zoom is a pretty cool marketing name. Yes. I do like it. So the way it works is actually maybe not quite as exciting as that. So you have a 10 times optical zoom, and then they use that alongside digital zoom and AI recreation, blah, 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 whatever kind of software nonsense they want to call it. But essentially, it will give you significantly better zooming capabilities than most any other phone out there. In fact, enough that they actually feel confident stopping that 100x sort of badge on the back. Legitimately, so, though, like, what can I do good. with 100 times? Like, what can I do with that? Like, when, when am I ever going to need 100 times? So I got to play with it, and this is my favorite part of the demo. So standing, I don't know, maybe 10 feet away from someone, when I zoomed into 100x, I was like a full screenshot of their eyeball. Okay. That is a ridiculous... Ridiculous zoom. They actually, some of the Samsung guys for the presentation, they were on a plane and he was able to zoom in and see like the stadium down on the ground below okay. him. Mind you, when you zoom in to like 70, 80, 90 times, you're definitely losing quality, right? It's not certainly a pristine image. Of course. But you're like, imagine being at the back of the concert and you can zoom in and get like an actual, like, you know, properly framed shot of whoever's, you know, performing. Like it's that level of zoom. But how are they like working with the shakes in my hands? How is that possible? Well, actually, it's not so bad with digital zoom because they actually do have a lot of room as they're taking multiple exposures. They can actually kind Mm -hmm. of process it and kind of use their, what do they call it, like steady shot or whatever. Now, the downside here is that that 10 times optical zoom camera does not have any kind of optical stabilization. So it's Mm. purely digital. And also it's a slightly darker lens. So while the other lenses are like 1.8 or f2.2, this is an f3.5 lens. So this is certainly not going to be good in low light. However, generally speaking, when you're taking super zoomed shots, you're probably going to be in daylight usually. And that's where this is really going to shine. So it's a really, really cool concept. 100 times zoom, maybe a little bit overselling it. But you were getting significantly better zoom, way, way, way beyond anything that you can really buy in any kind of mainstream phone today. The 10 times zoom is the thing that I am legitimately most interested in because I use the telephoto lens on my iPhone a lot. And I often wish I have more than two. 
Now, there is a slight downside here, and I will say it's a very slight one, in that there's nothing in between standard and 10, right? So if you want to, oh. say, zoom in three or four times, you just have your normal camera. You don't have the three times optical zoom camera. So you're oh. essentially digital zooming from mm. one to 10. I don't like that. I will say personally, I'm not a big fan of like you know the telephoto on the iPhone, for example. A lot of times, while it's nice to have, I don't find myself relying on it that much. I do think I would rather give that up for the 10 times zoom. But you do have the trade-off, right? It's essentially, you have the ultra-wide, the standard, and then the really zoomed in lens. You see, Austin, I used it two times all the time. This has changed my mind on this a lot <laughs> as to like which one I would be most interested in. Because I would expect that I would personally want three times more than 10 times. And not sure. being able to use like two or three or four times, I think I would find that frustrating. And I totally get that. The only thing I will say for the 10 is that it is legitimately different, right? Going from two to three, while yes, of course, you're, you know, you're getting like a, a more standard portrait 50 mil lens equivalent, and it mm-hmm. looks really pleasing for a portrait mode shot. But the fact that you have this crazy zoom is something completely different to any other real phone out there. And again, I don't want to say real phone because obviously... There's Huawei and there's Oppo. But as far as like mainstream phones here in the West. Well, let's just say like phones that you can easily get yeah. around the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So like it's so different that while, yes, it's absolutely a specialty. Yes, the quality is not going to be as good as that 108 megapixel camera. But it is still really, really cool to see because it's just so different, right? So I'll, I'll totally give you if something you don't want to use. By the way, this is also a 48 megapixel camera too. So you've got a lot of megapixels on this as well. So that kind of helps with the digital zoom. But I just think it's different enough that it really does give the Ultra a leg up over why you might want to consider it versus like one of the S20s or the S20 Plus. But I did note in some, so you shared some specs with me that the 3X lens on the S20 and S20 Plus is 64 megapixels, right? Yes. And also the, it lets in more light too, you said earlier. So in theory, those are maybe like quote unquote better cameras, but the optical zoom range is way different. Yes, absolutely. Mm. So oh, man. I'm going to throw a wrench in all of this because this oh, launch, it, okay, it's a smaller one. It's a smaller one. You're probably not going to care <laughs> okay, about this okay, one, but okay. I have to mention it. This launch has been really confusing because all these phones have so many different cameras and so many different models, and especially when you get into like 5G, it gets crazy. But so these phones, all three of them, support 8K video. Great, right? I mean, come on. Who doesn't want to record 8K videos on your phone? Me. Okay. Who, besides Mike, doesn't want to record 8K Who videos 8K on your phone? Who needs 8K video on their phone? It's like, <laughs> let's just state, this is the phone that you may be running at 1080p a lot of the time, but you can record 8K video? <laughs> it actually defaults when you open up the camera app. It defaults to 1080p video. So <laughs> I feel like it should, though, because most people do not need more than 1080. Yes. Because they're only ever looking at the videos on their phone, and past 1080, the file sizes are massive. They are. They definitely get large. Although, I will definitely say... One of the main reasons the iPhone remains in my pocket every day is the 4K video is pristine. We Mm -hmm. use 4K video from the iPhone pretty regularly on the channel. Very few people notice. So I will give some props to having a really good video camera in your pocket. But, okay, let me break this down. So on all three of these phones, you have standard 1080p, full stabilization, full tracking focus, all that kind of stuff. As you jump up to 4K, as with the last few years, you actually lose some of those things. So I specifically think you lose the tracking autofocus as well as the full digital stabilization, which is unfortunate because the iPhone has had that for a while. But if you want to go up to 8K, you have a couple of trade-offs. First of all, you can only record at 24 frames per second, which I will say for the record is the correct frame rate. I mean, come on, we all know that all of the Oscars were shot at 24 frames per second. I would say as long as it's not 60, I don't care because I cannot stand 60 frames per second. Like, yes. It makes me feel uncomfortable <laughs> in a way that I can't fully articulate. Well, I mean, it depends on the, the use case, right? I personally really like 24. 30 is fine. And actually, weirdly, 24. the only way to get 24 on this phone is to shoot at 8K. If you shoot at 4K, it's just 30. I don't know why they mm-hmm. didn't give you an option. I would love that. Regardless. Okay. Weird. Here's the downside. 8K video is 33 megapixels per frame, okay? Mm-hmm. Whereas, just for reference, 4K video is eight megapixels. So even though you're going from four to Ooh. eight, it's actually a significantly bigger thing that you're getting, right? So here's where things get a little bit complicated. You need at least 33 megapixels to shoot 8K video, which means that if you're shooting on the Ultra, 
you can use the 108 megapixel camera, looks great, standard field of view, it's all fine. However, if you want to use 8K on the S20, S20 Plus, you have to shoot on the three times optical zoom cameras because those are the ones with 48 megapixels, aka more than 33. Oh, so they're the only ones that can handle it, basically. Exactly. Okay. So it's a gimmick. It's a real gimmick on the S20 and the S20 Plus. Technically, this is one of, if not the first phone to have usable 8K at a non-like stupid frame rate. But on anything besides the Ultra, it's nearly unusable, right? Because you're zooming in three times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm going to call foul at both you and Samsung here for saying usable 8K. <laughs> because 8K Mike, is not on. usable. Mike, we shoot our videos with an 8K camera. Yeah, but like... <laughs> we shoot it 4K, actually. <laughs> You're then like exporting it at 4K, right, to upload yeah. to YouTube yep. for your four million subscribers to see. Like, no one needs 8K, right? Like, it's right now, it's too much. Like, you can get 8K televisions, but who can afford one of those? Like, 4K is as much as anyone should be thinking about right now. But like, even then, I don't even know if people really want 4K. <laughs> like, I just. It's just, it's too much. It's, Mike, get with the future, man. No. 8K is where it's at. Don't you want all your posterity? Like, you just think back to all those wonderful moments in your past that you could have had at 8K, and you just don't have it, man. But I can see 1080 just fine, right? <laughs> like, it's, like, for, like, I, I, just, I think I just have a problem <laughs> with a phone that can shoot video at a higher resolution than it can play back. I mean, that's totally fair. But you can say the same thing about 4K. I mean, there are very few 4K phones out there. I can. I can. But then at the same time, the other problem I have is the file sizes are so massive that it's too much yeah. for a phone technology right now. Okay. Well, I'm sorry that you hate the 8K. I yeah. actually like it. Although, again, based on my very brief hands-on, it still was, while very impressive technically, maybe not actually as good looking in real life as the 4K on the iPhone, which I mm -hmm. still think is really, really impressive. See, that's that's like another reason why it frustrates me. You can do 8K, but there are all these downsides to it, and it's still maybe not as good as 4K on other devices. It's like, yeah, the 8K is just, it's too much. It's so Samsung can say, we're first to 8K, and I don't know if that is worth it for people. Well, on the flip side, it's something that the hardware supports. It's something they have enough megapixels for. So yeah. why not? I mean, it's yeah, a weird okay. niche thing. You have to go into the options and turn it on. Mm, Very few okay, people are going to point. see anything. But I mean, look, it's another thing they get to slap on the marketing. It's something that you can do with your phone that it technically can do. I'm totally okay with it. It's just very strange. It's really weirdly implemented. You're winning me around by like, yeah, you've got a good point. You have to like go in and specifically say it. Like if for some crazy reason they decided to make this the default, then I think my point could stand more. <laughs> but like the fact yeah. that you have to like go in, flip all the switches, right? Like put in a huge memory card. If they send, can, they, can they still take memory cards? They do. So they okay. do still have micro SD compatibility. Although okay. you'd probably need a pretty fast micro SD card for 8K would be my guess. Good point. But like you would at least need to be offloading literally everything else on your phone's storage. Like what are the storage options in these? So it's actually pretty simple this year. So the default on all three, I believe, is 128 gigabytes. Oh. And with the S20 Plus and the S20 Ultra, there's a 512 gig option. But again, micro SD compatibility is still there. You can put a micro SD in. Okay. Not the end of the world. I mean, 128 is a little bit small, but I mean. 128 is small with these cameras. But you've also got iPhones that, don't they still ship with 64 gigs as the base? Yes, they still ship with 64 as the base. So I can't be too upset with Samsung for 128. Yeah. You mentioned that front-facing camera earlier. What's going on with front-facing cameras? So this one's not as exciting, although it's still pretty cool. So the standard S20 and the S20 Plus have 10 megapixel cameras, whereas when you go over to the Ultra, it actually has a 40 megapixel front-facing camera. Woo! Boy, okay. I'm always like so perplexed that smartphone makers are not putting the literal best cameras they can into the front-facing cameras. Like, notches, my friend. You can't have a giant notch. You don't want a, a, a huge camera bump or a huge, like, sort of, like, imagine the cutout being three times bigger. I feel like people would be pretty upset with that. Hmm. Okay, good point. But, like, everyone loves a good selfie. I guess that's the yeah. problem, right? But, like, trying to communicate that to people is, like, we made your phone a little bit uglier, but you can take great selfies. Yeah. <laughs> I know? mean, 
realistically, do you need that little tiny notch on the top? That's fine. Just throw the better camera in it. Yeah, I, I, I always want a, be- I always want a better front-facing camera than I have because I get used to how good the rear cameras are. And then mm-hmm. you take a selfie, and it's like, this is just like Ugh. muddy compared to, right? So I didn't get a chance to try the 40-megapixel front-facing camera at all in the S20 Ultra. Again, something I will do, hopefully, when I get my hands on a full review unit. Yeah, and we're going to follow up on all of that on the show, too. Like, once yes. Austin's had his time with the review units, we're going to go back in and, like, fill in these gaps, for sure. The very first episode of The Test Drivers is brought to you by Hello!, Hello make insanely comfortable buckwheat pillows. I have no idea if you've ever tried of or even heard of a buckwheat pillow before. They're really different to your regular fluffy pillows. They completely support your head and neck and they do not collapse under the weight of your head like a traditional pillow would. Hello pillows stay cool and dry compared to feather or foam pillows. Plus, buckwheat tends to breathe better, meaning it doesn't get warm and humid. So you're not having to do that thing where you're flipping your pillow over to get to the cool side. Your pillow remains cool always, and it's completely adjustable because you can add or remove the filling to suit your needs, so your pillow can be just the way that you like it to be. It turns out people have been sleeping on buckwheat pillows for years. They're really popular in Japan, and they have appeared on the pillow menus at some fancy hotels for quite some time. I have been sleeping on a hollow pillow for nearly two years at this point, and I am a huge fan. I love that I get the support that I want from my pillow. I only need one pillow now. I used to need multiple ones because they don't squish down. It's just exactly as I like it. I really, really love it. It's a very different experience, but it's one that I've grown to really enjoy. Hollow is made in the USA with quality construction and materials. The certified organic cotton case is cut and sewn for durability, and the buckwheat is grown and milled in the United States. I'm sure that you're probably pretty curious to try one of these things out by now, and you can. Sleep on it for yourself for 60 nights, and if Hollow isn't for you, just send it back for a refund. Head to hollowpillow.com slash testdrivers right now to get your own buckwheat pillow. That's H-U-L-L-O-P-I-L-L-O-W dot com slash testdrivers. And if you buy more than one, they have a special discount of up to $20 off depending on which size you opt for. They have fast free shipping with every order, and 1% of all profits are donated to the Nature Conservancy. Give it a try. If you love it, you keep it. If you don't, just send it back. That's hollowpillow.com slash testdrivers. Our thanks to Hollow for their support of this show and Relay FM. The next thing, which is slightly confusing, and by slightly confusing, I mean very confusing about the S20 line of phones, mm-hmm. is their 5G support. Okay. Seems very straightforward, right? Slap a 5G logo on the box and call it a day. However, not all 5G is the same. Yeah. Okay. So, for reference, there are generally two major types of 5G that are becoming popular around the world right now. There's what is known as Sub-6, which is essentially an evolution of the current 4G LTE standards that we have today. Right? So, you have coverage pretty much everywhere, theoretically, you would have with 4G. Speeds are improved. Not hugely, but, you know, might be 30% faster, 50% faster. It's better, but not by a massive amount, right? So that is, for example, here in the United States, that is what T-Mobile is very heavily marketing, right? They've got 5G. It's everywhere nationwide right now. Cool. Moving on, the thing that's a little bit more exciting for most people is what is known as millimeter wave. Now, this is where you go get those crazy speed tests. If you've seen, like, Marquez's video of, like, you know, a gigabyte per second down and like, mm-hmm. all these ridiculous numbers, The downside is with millimeter wave, the range is incredibly limited. Like literally you could get a gigabyte per second down, walk around a corner and have nothing, right? It is very, very limited. So the best case scenario is for 5G networks that take advantage of both. If you're near a millimeter wave sort of installation, you'll get those crazy speeds. Everywhere else you get very good, if not incredible speeds on sub six. Pretty straightforward, right? Mm -hmm. So first of all, I don't actually know of any networks that really fully take advantage of both particularly well right now. Again, sort of T-Mobile's on one side, AT&T and Verizon here in the States are kind of a little bit more on. They're trying to make a mix, but it's very, very spotty. Sub-6 is pretty well supported in the UK. Is it already? Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, one of our main networks, EE, has they've done a pretty decent job at covering the major cities. 
Nice. And I'm actually looking forward to testing that out myself more soon. But like, it's a thing. Like, there is a lot of advertising for it here. And if you are to believe their coverage maps, they cover 5G in quite a lot of places. Like my my home, I can get 5G in if I want to. Well, so here in the States with T-Mobile, they pretty much flipped on 5G. I don't know if it's quite everywhere they had 4G, but it's pretty close. Their sub six Mm -hmm. is basically flipped on at this point. Yeah. So ideally, you want a network that supports both, right? And we'll get into that later. I mean, obviously, while 5G might not be incredibly you know, widespread at this very second everywhere, it's going to continue over the life of these phones to get more and more supported, right? Mm-hmm. Which brings me around to the support. The S20 Plus and the S20 Ultra have 5G with millimeter wave and sub-6 built in. Done, right? It's as good as it's going to get right now. It's built in, standard with the phones. Cool. No problem. The S20, however, is lacking millimeter wave. So while it is a 5G phone, it only supports the slower but much more widespread sub-6 standard. So yeah, not all 5G is created equal. It's just too... Con- I mean, the, the, the spec is just super confusing right now. I mean, like, yes. as you said, the best way to describe it is like any 5G is faster than what you're currently getting. But when people were saying to you, like, 5G is a gigabit down on your phone is technically correct. But really, that should just be called 6G, right? Like because it <laughs> Actually, yeah, I like that. Because really, there is such a huge difference in the technology, the way it is implemented, and then the speeds. But 5G, any 5G is better than what you're currently getting. Yes, yes, without a doubt. But it's confusing. And honestly, whilst it might be a shame from a future-proofing perspective to not have the millimeter wave antenna in the S20... Millimeter wave 5G is so far away from actually being implemented properly successfully. Most people will have upgraded their phones before this becomes a problem for them, I would expect. That's perfectly reasonable. Unless you live in like, you know, a major city with a lot of millimeter wave, which to be fair, there actually are a fair few cities that are getting at least but, reasonable coverage. I mean, you want, but it's like you go inside and it, you yes. won't be able to use it anymore. So Yes. So it's very complicated. But again, that just kind of tells the story of this launch in that it seems really straightforward on the surface. But as you look at the S20 versus the S20 Plus versus the S20 Ultra, there are a lot of major differences. And it gets really complicated and confusing. And just keeping them all straight, what three phones, which should be very similar, just kind of aren't in a lot of ways. And it makes my job as someone who's not only making a podcast about this, but also someone who's making video kind of complicated because like, oh, which one should you get? Oh, well, it depends. Do you have millimeter wave? Do yeah. you want a 6.7-inch screen that can only run at 1080p, which looks a little bit soft, at 120 hertz? I mean, just there's a lot to it. Well, let me say, though, like, so two things on that. One, like, definitely this is a much wider range than Samsung usually goes with, with the S line, right? Like, the amount of complexity that there is here and the, um, the broad swath of features that is available is way bigger than usual. But what I will say is the joy and benefit of having a podcast, Austin, is we have an unlimited amount of time compared to videos in which we can just continue to go down, 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 deeper into these features. I'm so sorry for everyone who has to listen to this now. No, this is what, (laughs) let me tell you, my friend, as someone who's been podcasting for a decade now, the people want the detail. Well, we have detail, It's a different world to YouTube. We've got that detail, and we're already like nearly an hour into that detail, and there's still more to go. I still have more to go, man. Okay, so maybe we should go a little bit more rapid fire since there is so much to talk about with these phones. I want to talk about about rapid then, RAM. Tell me about the RAM on these phones because I cannot fathom the amount you can get in these things. Okay, so in a world where the iPhone has four gigs and most Android flagships from the last year or so have eight, the standard S20 and the S20 Plus have 12 gigs of RAM, right? That is Big step forward. But that's not enough because the Ultra, with its ridiculously beefy specs, has 16 gigabytes of RAM. I can't believe that. That's more than most people's laptops. That's the same as my laptop. The Mac Pro starts at 32, right? (laughs) Yikes. Like, that's more... Wait, 16 gigabytes. What do I have in my iMac Pro? 32, I think, is the base on that as well, right? I have 64. I can tell you the machine I'm recording on right now is a MacBook Pro with 8 gigs of RAM. Oh, my So, God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is amazing. What are they doing? What could they possibly be doing with 16 gigabytes of RAM? Well, I mean, there are definitely advantages. iOS and Android are both really smart with RAM. 
The more mm-hmm. RAM you have, it will just use it, right? So you'll have more apps available open in memory. And it'll actually Samsung has a new feature. They have some gimmicky name for it. And I don't remember what it is. But essentially, it will allow you to lock apps in memory. So I believe it's like if you have one of the 12 gigabyte phones, that is three apps in memory. And I believe if you have a 16 gig version of the Ultra, that is five apps in memory. What is my benefit here to doing this? Why would I want to do this? Say you open up Twitter a lot and you don't want it to be constantly closing down in the background. Or I know for me, like I work a lot in Google Docs and sometimes like I'll be in the middle of a video, I'll have my notes in Docs. I'll like Mm. go open up Docs after a minute and it's like closed. Now to be fair, the Ultra, I believe actually still has 12 gigs of RAM standard. You actually have to pay for the, I have no idea what it's going to cost, but the upgraded model to get that 16 gigs. But on top of that, Mike, you got to power these features and these power them with some massive batteries. So the S20 has a 4,000 milliamp hour battery, much bigger than last year. The S20 Plus has a 4,500 milliamp hour battery, again, larger. And the Ultra has a 5,000 milliamp hour battery. Is this one of the biggest batteries in a phone? There are some phones that have slightly bigger, um, but yeah, 5,000 is very much in the upper range of pretty much any non like i know there's this weird like energizer foam that's like giant and thick oh that never shipped yeah wasn't there like a kickstarter campaign for that and it didn't work or something i don't actually know what happened with that that was like supposedly ten thousand. yeah that that thing didn't get <laughs> off the ground i have a question look i'm gonna be that guy all right i'm just gonna ask the question i'm not doing it to poke fun i'm just gonna say it all right samsung and big batteries that's going to be oh, very no. poorly for them no. in the past, right? I'm just, look, I'm just wanting to ask the question. <laughs> now, I'm assuming that no company is checking their battery strength and health more than Samsung. But do you have any pause when you think about the, a battery size of like 5,000 milliamp hours when it comes to a Samsung phone? No. Okay. And mostly because I think Samsung are a company who obviously made a mistake and they missed something last or i guess what was it three or four years ago i that that whole thing like it felt to me like a bad luck thing that could have literally happened to any company it just happened to samsung first but the other thing is the ultra is so huge and thick that i'm pretty sure they have plenty of space for that huge battery which is one of the reasons it probably is so big right because that was the problem Mm -hmm. is they were just trying to stuff it all into a case that was way too small exactly but so here's the thing right massive batteries but Massive features. Mm. 5G is not power efficient, right? I mean, obviously, it's not like anything crazy, but this is going to take some significant power. 120 hertz displays take significant power. So even though these have huge batteries, Samsung didn't really quote like any kind of huge battery numbers or anything, at least not with my hands on. So I actually wouldn't be surprised that these batteries are just necessary to keep a somewhat reasonable battery life. A lot of people will just run these things on 4G at 60 hertz like yes this is gonna be bananas you would expect we'll see if you're running yeah if you're running at 4g and like on wi-fi and 60 hertz that ultra is probably gonna be a solid i'm just dude i'm just a little nervous about it i just think that with all that extra hardware inside especially if you're trying to record like 8k video or anything like i'm cautiously optimistic but just the fact that no one from Samsung was like, oh, yeah, it'll get so many hours of battery life. They just completely just go, oh, and they've got big batteries. And they just moved right on. Mm. Makes me a little nervous. That we'll does see. not we'll fill see. you with optimism, right? 5G, 120 hertz. Eh, we'll see. Can we talk about the processor? <sighs> well, I would like to. Okay. Officially, I don't know what's inside of it. I believe what I was told is it is a 7 nanometer processor with 5G support. Which is, but seven nanometers is important, right? Well, that's not necessarily new. Last year, it was the 855, which was also seven nanometer. Uh, okay, okay. So by the time you're listening to this, they will very likely have announced the actual real spec. I'm almost positive that it will be the Snapdragon 865 here in the United States, as well as, I believe, North America and a few other territories that use the Snapdragon. And then in other places, such as Korea, and I believe most of Europe, they use the Exynos 990. Look. Last year, well, actually, in fact, they've done this for quite a few years. They'll split it up. There will be slight advantages on the Snapdragon side and Exynos. I know the last couple of generations, the Snapdragon processor has performed better. We'll see. It's kind of constantly going back and forth. Why did but, they do this? Well, because Samsung makes the Exynos processor. And I think if they had their sort of perfect ideal situation, they would put that in all of the phones. However, Qualcomm are really pretty deeply embedded with a lot of the carriers in a lot of countries. And I think it's really difficult to kind of crack that. And I'm sure that 
Qualcomm will like, you know, they get the 865 first or whatever. I, I know that Samsung has a good deal with Qualcomm to keep, you know, putting their, their chips in the phone. So I'm sure there's a lot of politics there. Regardless, they both should be ballpark the same. I don't know of any features that are not supported on one option or the other. I'm pretty sure they're all pretty much the same. So most people will never even realize which option they have. But And you would expect stuff like battery life can't differ too much because Samsung are not saying, right? That, you know, like they don't say like, oh, if you're in Europe, you're only going to get six hours yeah. of battery life, right? Because that's just wild to, to even... Yeah. I mean, there actually have in the last few years, there actually have been some cases really? where... Yeah, that one has a little bit better battery life than the huh, other. Okay. But I don't think they ever officially say that. It's right, like, you know, they'll right, say like, right, oh, right. up to six hours of use. And then it actually might be like seven hours of use on the other one. But okay, we have cool. no idea. We have okay. no idea. So like real world testing can produce different results. But like whatever Samsung is saying, it's like pretty much applies to the chips else. Pretty much. Places, unless they are clear with it. Exactly. Until I know something otherwise, I'm going to expect that both are going to be great performers. They'll both be no problem. And one will probably be a little bit better in some ways. One might be a little worse than some others, but we'll have to see. It's kind of a coin flip at the moment, but I wouldn't really stress on either one. I mean, it's been like this for many years. We have not spoken in detail about pricing yet. And this is a big thing about these phones. <laughs> like, I wanted to talk about all of the features first because these are exciting phones for a lot of reasons. We have a lot of questions, and those questions will be answered. But it gets a bit tricky with pricing on these phones, I think. And I have some questions for you, which I'm okay, go intrigued for about. So let's, let's do the prices first. So the S20 starts at $1,000. The S20 Plus starts at $1,200, and the S20 Ultra starts at $1,400, right? Yes, that's a, that's a lot of money, some might say. It's a lot of money for these things. But look, we're in a new world now, and we're very used to seeing like big, shiny flagships at $1,000. Like That's just what's happening now. That's the market. Yeah. But other manufacturers are still making cheaper phones available as well, like... Apple seems to have had great success with the iPhone 11, right? Like calling the 10R's successor the 11 seems to have worked really well for them. And it's a cheaper phone, but it has a lot of the same features. And Samsung did this last time with the S10e. Which was, for the record, my favorite version of the Galaxy S10 last year. I love that phone. Why do you think they've not done that this time? Well, they haven't done that this time because they've opted to go for almost a little bit more of an Apple-like approach in that the last generation Galaxy S10 devices are sticking around and they're all getting a price cut of $150. Like, I agree that is an Apple approach, but that's an Apple approach of multiple years ago, right? Like, yeah. and Apple still do this, but then they also have the, like, new phone, which Samsung did. Like, they did a, here's a new phone. It's called the S10e and it has a bunch of the same features, but it's a little cheaper. And, like, maybe that just didn't work for them. But, like, I was really surprised that to get in on the 2020 phones, you start at 1000 with Samsung. And, like, that is... It's a lot. That was, that was surprising to me. That was really surprising to me that they didn't have an S20e or something. I don't know if it's because they wanted to make 5G standard. I don't know if it's because mm. of the 120 hertz. I mean, I'm sure these things are not cheap to implement. But, yeah, it's a little bit weird. I mean, it's very possible that we see an S20e in, like, September. Well, the thing is, they just announced, what was it, the light versions of the S10 and the Note yep. 10 at CES. Yep. I don't know what they're doing. I really don't understand the full idea. But I just think this year, because they have so many of these big, expensive features, they probably couldn't get an S20e down to a price point that would make sense. They may have had to sell it for like 850 or 900 And at that point, it's like, oh, well, obviously I want the bigger guy. Well, I think we know now why they did those light phones a few months ago. Exactly. Because they knew they weren't going to have a new phone that was cheaper. Yep. All right, so pre-orders are starting on February 21st, shipping on March 6th. Yep. You are suggesting right now mm-hmm. your recommendation based on the little use that you've had, and we'll revise this probably before <laughs> these phones even come out, maybe, or at least before you can order them. You would suggest S20, right? I would suggest S20 for most people. Okay. You've got 5G. You're losing the millimeter wave, which is... Like you said, a downside, but not something that I think is huge. I feel like if you're updating your phone every two years, you're yeah. probably good to go with, with the 5G that they're giving you right now. I agree. And I think, personally, just for me, the 6.2-inch size feels really good in the hand. It's similar to last year, which I always felt, once you get the Plus and the Ultra, they're just big phones. And I know some people are really a big fan of that, but for me, it's bulky, it's kind of unwieldy, especially the Ultra is really heavy. I think the S20 makes sense for most people. However, 
jumping up to the S20 Plus or Ultra it actually is a pretty reasonable value proposition. You know, when you go up to the Plus, you're getting the bigger screen, you're getting the full 5G experience, you're getting that time of flight sensor, and you're also getting, you know, a reasonable increase in price. $200 is a lot, but when you're already spending $1,000... When you're $1, into 1000 <laughs> Two hundred <laughs> becomes more like easier to stomach. Exactly. I think going to fourteen hundred though is a big jump, but the S twenty Ultra is a big jump. Yeah, it's a bigger jump going from plus to ultra mm-hmm. than going from twenty to plus. Right for that two hundred extra dollars, you're getting the crazy new cameras, you're getting the huge battery, you're getting a massive screen, a huge hefty phone. But there's some significant differences with that Ultra, and again. I really want to spend more time with the cameras to see exactly how much potentially better they are. But I mean, come on. At the end of the day, most people who are upgrading their phones, most people who are deciding on which phone to purchase, camera's probably number one priority for, I would guess, a lot of people. And if you can say, oh, I'll, you know, it's a couple hundred dollars more, but you're getting the best. You're getting the crazy zoom. You're getting the really huge sensor and the 108 megapixel camera. I think it's going to be a compelling sort of value. I think a lot of people actually will be really interested in picking up that Ultra just to have the best camera that potentially you might be able to get on a smartphone right now. Oh, forgot to mention, they killed the headphone jack. This was obvious that they were going to do this, like, but it's gone. You know, you can point to the fact that they made fun of Apple for the last few years, but they were obviously going to do this. And the Note actually already dropped it. Yeah, the Note dropped it. But, like, everyone wants to sell you their headphones now, too. And, oh, boy, do they have the Galaxy Buds Plus for you. Which, uh, to be fair, actually do look kind of cool. I think they claim it's, like, all-day battery life without having to recharge the headphones. So you can pretty much leave them Mm. in, like, significantly longer. They had some available at the press demo. However, I was not going to stick those in my ears because um, no. they had been there for a while. So we'll have to see. They're way bulkier, though, right? At least the original ones than the AirPods. I mean, AirPods, I think, are still my favorite design for yeah. fully wireless headphones, especially with the Pros. They're so good. Do the Buds Plus have noise canceling in them? They do not. They ah, do not. No active on. noise. Samsung, I feel for you. I know you're upset about that now. <laughs> right, like you know, because that's like the thing now, right? Like everyone's got their noise canceling headphones. You got Sony ones and stuff. I think their play here is just battery, right? I mean, I'm sure they sound good. They have multiple microphones. They have a little button where you can attach it to Spotify, which is cool. But really, the play here is battery life. You know, you're gonna get that huge battery on what is essentially a fully wireless set of earbuds. It's something that people are gonna be interested in. Yeah, but Austin, who's listening to 12 hours of music at a time? Well, I will say sometimes when I'm on a long flight, uh, I actually do run out of AirPod juice where I have to like kind of do the little shuffle of like, oh, just one ear in while I'm charging the other. Like it does happen sometimes. I do that, right? Like I take a lot of transatlantic flights, but like it's only like a 10 minute period and you've got like multiple yeah. hours. Like, you know, I mean, I get it. Like it's, it's frustrating. But for me though, when I'm on a flight, I want noise canceling more than I want the longer battery like i can take a break for 10 minutes and then come back you know that yeah I but it's, it's whatever floats your boat i guess all right so i am like so conflicted about this phone right like we i want to talk on maybe our next episode because i want to buy an android phone Ooh. well okay I, I may have already bought one but like i'll get to that in a minute oh wait what just just wait like there's a, like, a, like a whole thing going on in my life right oh, now no. like it's it's big but so i want a daily an android phone okay along with my iphone because i want to make sure that like to do the best i can for the test driver's audience that i know android in and out like i am an owner one of the few people who bought a galaxy fold hey, there you go more will start to become clear soon so i have android phones in my life but like the galaxy fold for many reasons it is not a daily driver. I love it. I am a believer in the folding phone technology, but like I want to have something that's maybe a little more regular to use every single day as we will continue to look at more and more Android phones, right? So I was thinking maybe one of these would be the option for me, but like I feel like I cannot even begin to make a decision as to which one of these I would want to order right now. Well, Mike, if I can just add a little bit to your indecision here... There might just be a Samsung folding phone coming out yeah. in the very near future. I almost would love to talk to you about that one. If only it were another episode. Yes. This is the issue. We are recording this before Samsung's Impact event, which is why it came out basically when the event went live. We do not know a ton 
about the what I think is being called the Z Flip right now. Yes. We have seen an ad that they play during the Oscars. <laughs> right. Great way to launch the phone, honestly. Bypass us. Just go straight for the Oscars ad. I can't argue with that. I, you know, but like the thing is, like they didn't really show anything we haven't already seen in leaks. I mean, it's been incredibly leaked, but I mean, all of these phones were totally leaked before. Yeah. I, I did a video on the S20 like three weeks ago and pretty much everything in the rumors yep. were pretty much correct. Uh, but like, so, you know, to do this teaser in the Oscars is fine. And like, really, you know, if everything that we believe to be true is true, this seems like a really interesting phone. Again, I'm still not. I am a big proponent of folding phones. I think that something in the folding phone technology world will end up being the future of phones. I'm just not sure if anyone has fully worked out what that is yet. So, like, the Z Flip is interesting to me, but I'm still not sure if, like, it will end up being a standard experience, you know, as to what people are used to with a phone. So, like, I'm still not sure if, like, you know, if one of these S20 lines makes more sense. But we're going to talk about that more. The thing that I did want to mention, I ordered a Razer. <gasps> Mike. <sighs> Mike, what are you doing? Look. What are you doing? When I ordered the Razer, everyone was really <laughs> excited about the Razer. I ordered oh, no. it like a couple of weeks ago. It hasn't shipped as at the time we're recording this, but I'm hoping that by the next episode, I will have it. Now... Motorola, they knew what they were doing. I am of the age, I'm 32 years old, that the nostalgia for me, the Razer, hit big. Like, they knew what they were going for. And I'm seeing all the videos, I'm seeing all the articles, but I am still remain excited about this phone. <laughs> but, like, so basically, for our next episode, I will have either A, received it, or B, canceled my pre-order and ordered something else i'm just not sure yet and i think i might need your help in what i should be ordering but i think we can maybe talk about that next time you know what mike what we should do we should ask the audience what they think your next android phone should be i'm sure there will be many many very helpful answers that's a very good idea if only we had a twitter account that people could very helpfully just sort of nudge nudge wink wink hey mike you should buy a OnePlus 3. <clears throat> I mean, uh, sorry, uh, the Galaxy Z Fold S20 Ultra Plus 5G. At the test drivers. Send us a tweet to at the test drivers. Let me know what you think I should OnePlus. be ordering for my daily driver phone. But the thing is about the OnePlus, it's like, so what one do I get? Do I wait? Like, when's the next OnePlus? No, <laughs> who knows these things, Austin? Oh, Mike. Oh, Mike. Welcome to the wonderful world of Android. <laughs> Thank you so much for checking out this first episode of The Test Drivers. Next time, I'm pretty sure we're going to be touching back again on these Samsung phones because we might have a little bit more detail. We'll be talking about what the hell I'm going to be doing when it comes to an Android (laughs) phone. I might have one. I might have two. I might have none. We'll find out. But like I said, let us know. We're on Twitter. We're at The Test Drivers. You can find more information about this episode and all of our future episodes. Oh, including an episode zero that we made, which does a little bit more into detail about what we want this show to be at relay.fm slash test drivers. So I'm iMike, I-M-Y-K-E on Twitter. And I am Austin, not Duncan on Twitter, Instagram. I'm iMike on Instagram too. I didn't know we were also doing our Instagram. You shouted out Instagram. You shouted out Instagram in the middle of the video. (laughs) That's true. Shush, don't don't give away my cross-promotional <laughs> tactics here. Also, I like how I called it a video. I'm still not used to the podcast thing yet. You'll get there. You'll get there. <laughs>